Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. I always, uh, we pray each Sunday morning that uh, beyond a good service, that the presence of God would be experienced. Um, because that's what changes things. And, and, and it's what I love because we can all sit in um, the same room, sing the same songs, hear the same message, but God will tailor um, his presence and what he speaks to us for us. And I, and I love that. I, I love that in moments like this where you're in his presence, there will be those times where it's just like, oh, man, I'm the only one in the room. Oh, my gosh, God, you set all this up. I, I, maybe you've not felt like this. I felt every now and then like God set up all day like just for me. Didn't matter if anybody else showed up like that was just for me. And I feel like it's one of those days today as we close out our, our bar series today. This series we've been talking about prisoners and captives. We've looked at scriptures that were written um, behind bars. And as we wrap up today, I just have one more thought for all of us, and maybe it's better posed as a question. The question is this, are those bars still with you? Did you know that in order to keep an elephant in captivity, that you have to get the elephant when it's a baby? And what they do is they, they put a chain around one of the feet uh, of the elephant, and then they put it around a tree or a wall. They anchor it really tight, and, and that baby elephant will pull and pull and pull, but it's unable to break the chain or pull it from the wall or, or break the tree that it's been tied to. And the longer that it does this unsuccessfully, the more it begins to be burned into its memory. And after a while, that elephant will remember every time that shackle is put on its foot, it's trapped. And it will no longer pull to get away because it's tried that before. And it's stuck. And as the elephant gets older, they don't even have to put it around a tree. They can just put it to a log that's sitting there in the middle of wherever they're keeping it. And the minute that chain is around that elephant's foot, it remembers, I can't break free. Even when... It could destroy the tree. It could run and be free. It won't even try because it's learned after trying and failing so many times that it's just impossible. I don't even want to do it anymore. So are those bars still with you? Over the last year and a half, most of us have experienced um, not the greatest life that we could have imagined. I, I remember walking into 2020, and, and at the time, being a pastor, being here, this was going to be our first like full year. And, and I had lots of pastor friends that their vision for 2020 were eyeglasses, and it was going to be the year of, of vision and clarity and da-da-da, and no one knew what was Coming, But man, it, it was trying in so many ways. Over the last year and a half, every single one of us have been affected by what's gone on in the world. And it's changed us whether we want to experience, whether we want to admit that or not. Did, it, did the last year and a half, did it feel like a giant test that you didn't know you needed to study for? I, and and I, I don't mean just the, the pop quiz that you were like, dang. I, no, I, I mean like the, the test that you had nightmares about where you walk into the gym and there's only one chair, one desk, and it's right at center court and it's only for you. 
and there's a test and a Scantron and as many number two pencils as you need in order to complete this test. And as you begin to look at the questions, you're like, I have no idea what to do with this. None of this was in any of the books that you've ever read. Do you ever feel like that? Where it was like, I, I have no idea. I'm just going to guess and, and do the best. And that's what I feel like the last year and a half has been for most of us. So some of us have tried a trick that I used once in high school. It's called the magician's trick when it comes to Scantron tests. And so you just put abacadabra all the way down the Scantron. A-B-A, spell it out, abacadabra. I did that once on a physics test. <clears throat> I didn't get a good grade on that test. I still got an A in the class. I got a D on that test. Uh, others of us, we, we may not try that, but we just rely on just put C on every answer. You know what? I'm just going to do the same thing over and over again, and I'm just going to hope that doing the same thing over and over again will give me more right answers than wrong answers, and, and we just hope that we pass. And, and as we walked out of 2020 into 2021, most of us are like, oh my God, thank you for passing the test. The test is no longer here. We feel like we've walked through some of it, but then there are these moments where we experience frustration because things aren't quite like they used to be. And there's still this awkwardness, even still. It's not quite how it was. But what if we've been looking at the last year and a half with the wrong set of lenses? I heard this about a month ago, and this just stuck with me. And I began to think more and more about this. What if the last year and a half wasn't the test, but it was the lesson and now is the test. What if all that, that had gone on, what if the stoppage from last year that jarred everyone, that grabbed all of our attention, what if it was to bring attention to what matters most? What if last year was to teach us a new pattern of what life was meant to be lived like free? Maybe it was to bring us to a place where we could see God clearly, where we could understand who he is and, and we could take time and see what he had done and that would remind us that he has things still for us to do in us, in our family, in this community and in, in the world that's around us. And so maybe before we sprint back to normal and, and pick our bars back up, maybe we see it for what it could have been, that maybe last year was the lesson, and maybe now is the test. Maybe all that God has been doing over the last year and a half was to get you to come to, the, to an answer to this question, are those bars still with you? Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad that we can be together in your presence today. And God, I ask that you would speak individually to us this morning. Lord, I pray that, that as I communicate today that you would have people writing down things that I'm not even saying, but you are saying to them. And God, we don't want to be the same. I pray that this question will come to the forefront of our mind, of our heart, and we would be willing to answer that question this morning. 
Lord, I pray that as we look into your word, that it would confront us, that it would challenge us. It would even convict us where we need to be convicted. God, we want to be more like you. So speak to us this morning. And Lord, I ask as I communicate your word to your people that you would anoint me to do so, that you would help me to communicate clearly and effectively so that people hear your heart and not just my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me this morning to Exodus chapter 14. I'm just kidding. Mel said Exodus 14 earlier. I just want to say, wait a minute, they're preaching the same thing. No, no, no. Exodus chapter 16, two chapters later. Exodus chapter 16. And in case you're visiting with us today or, or maybe you've been here for a little bit, I get shorter the more you talk back to me. The more you laugh at my jokes, the more you make me feel like I'm funnier than Mel, like I, I get quicker in those moments. If you just sit there and look at me, like I'll just read all my notes. And I got about 17 pages worth of notes today. I'm just kidding. I don't really have that many. I just don't want to feel like I'm talking to myself. Let's start at verse 2. Verse 2. Israelites have left Egypt. They're now in the wilderness. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. It has been one month since they left Egypt. One month since they left Egypt. And this isn't even the first moment of drama that, that has popped up for these guys. I, I mean, think, think about this. Last month, they were making, 30 days ago, they were making bricks. They were being beaten and abused. They were being whipped by taskmasters. They were being killed because they were slaves. They've seen some of the most incredible moves of God to get them to where they are. And one month later, they're complaining. You would think that there would be a constant celebration. Instead, it seems that it's constant complaining. I mean, they traded their songs. If you look back at Exodus 14 and 15, they began to sing songs of deliverance. But now they've stopped singing their songs of deliverance and they started chanting. Food, 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 food. You know how that is in a lunchroom. It only takes a couple people to get everybody yelling that really loud. And everyone is screaming at the top of their lungs. Food, food. Their circumstances had changed. But their condition hadn't. And we have to be careful here. Not just for them, but for us, because complaining is less about the circumstances I'm in and more about the condition my heart is in. And when my contentment is based on my circumstances, complaining becomes the norm. And constant complaining will lead me to treat freedom as if it were slavery and look at slavery as if it were freedom. So are those bars still with you? 
I mean, they had lived for so long inside of those bars. For most of them, they did not know what freedom was like. They didn't know how to live outside of the slavery that they had grown up in. It's difficult to imagine life without them. So everything they are looking at, they grab their bars and they view the world through them. You see, those bars taught them that they could only live by sight. It eliminated faith and hope because there was none. This was what they were going to be their entire lives. They were going to be slaves. For over 400 years, this is all that they had known. And it was difficult to walk away from. So are those bars still with you? As we look at this chapter today, I'm going to give you three things that I believe will help all of us to answer this question with a no. That if we grab a hold of these three things that we'll see in chapter 16, that we'll be able to let go of the bars. We'll stop dragging them around with us. We'll stop being shackled. We will loosen them and walk away. The first thing we need is to take a good look around. We see here in, in these first couple of verses that they're complaining. And I, and I feel like it's because they didn't take a good look around. They didn't know what season they were in. And you have to know where you are. You have to know what season of life you are actually in. And that takes time and it takes energy. And that takes you pausing every now and then to take inventory of where you are. If you don't. If you just run from here to there, when it comes time, when things are changing in your world, you will be so confused about where you are and where you've been that it will impact where you think you can go. I mean, again, like, let's look at the Israelites. They had experienced deliverance like the world had never seen before. They walked away from slavery, from generations of being bound. And not only did they do that, they, they walked through the Red Sea. God does these incredible miracles in all of this process. And then he delivers an incredible miracle to quench their thirst and to satisfy them. But none of these things seem to help them believe that their next struggle could be satisfied by God. See, if we aren't careful, whining will make winning feel like losing. Because if God can't do it, now, if he hasn't done it already, then I guess I should have never walked this way. I guess I should just go back to being who I was and, and, and doing what I used to do. You know what? I, I felt better when I was high all the time than when I do right now. You know what? God didn't change things quick enough for me. I'm just going to go back. You see, death in chains and a full stomach sounds a whole lot better than freedom when we have no idea how to live in freedom. Take a good look around. Take a good look around, not a quick one. See, a quick look around makes us frustrated when we begin to see all of the things that, that we want that we don't have. And we become frustrated because we don't have all that we want. At the same time, we neglect to see all that we need has been provided. Don't confuse greed for need. You see, they weren't, they weren't starving. Go back and read the Exodus portion of Scripture. When they left slavery, they plundered all of Egypt. 
They didn't leave with just like a little knapsack on their back. They left with a treasure trove of things. They left with more livestock. They left with food. They left with jewels. They left with all kinds of stuff. They've only been gone a month. They had all of these livestock, which tells me, let's see, if I'm thirsty, huh, milk comes from cows. In, in about a month, I, I wonder if they could make cheese from the milk that they had. And if we got really hungry, you know what makes a really good cheeseburger? Livestock. <laughs> they weren't starving. They failed to, to realize that being in the wilderness with God is better than being in captivity with a full stomach. You see, as they begin to look back, they begin to remember the good without the bad. And then they begin to remember a good that actually wasn't good. It actually didn't happen. We do this all the time. You ever hear somebody tell a story more than once? And you're like, wait a minute, the, the, the first time you told that story, there were only three people that you outran in that race. Now there were seven. Hmm. And then, and then you twisted your ankle right before you raced? And I didn't hear that before. You gave everyone a head start, and then you still, wow. We begin to remember things and the good of all of the stuff in the past, and we begin to amplify that. See, they were craving things that they had, things that they felt like were good when, when they were in captivity. They were talking about, oh, man, how great they were being fed. We had pots, and, man, they had meat. We had all the bread that we could have. No, they did not. They were slaves. Pharaoh wasn't bending over backwards to make sure they were well fed. Matter of fact, he was breaking their backs to make sure that they were well worked. But, oh, we had so much stuff. We, we had all, all of these things. Oh, they didn't have food at their beck and call. They had taskmasters waiting for them nonstop, telling them to get to work. You see how treating slavery like it's freedom will corrupt the memories of what slavery was really like? See, this is where a lot of us fall victim, myself included. Because when life gets hard, when you're following Jesus, some of us get into this relationship with Jesus thinking he's going to fix all of our problems. We're going to have smooth sailing. It's going to be roses and rainbows. There's always going to be sun outside. And it's not like that. We begin to think, man, before I did this, like life oh, it was just so much easier. I didn't have any problems. And, man, I had friends and, and, and the relationships. I was like, oh, man, remember that one girlfriend I had? Remember that boyfriend? We talk about all this stuff like it was the greatest thing to have ever happened to us. And I feel like in these moments we need to have at least one friend around us that keeps a glove. And that glove says reality. And when we start talking about the good old days like that, that they're able to grab that glove and smack us upside the head with a dose of reality. Oh, life was so much easier. Pastor, I got to fight the devil every day. You know why you didn't have to fight the devil before? Because you were friends with him. He didn't have to worry about you. You were messing your own life up. He didn't have to jack with you. You still have bills to pay. You still didn't have a job. All of those things continue to follow you. And, and let's not talk about all the friends 
that were down for you. Well, if they were down for you, they would still be down for you. They would still be around. These are the friends that left you, that talked behind your back, that when you weren't around, they talked about how you weren't such a great friend. Let alone the boyfriend, the girlfriend that was just the most incredible thing that has ever happened to you. Some of us had to answer those phone calls where people were crying on the other side where they were frustrated, where, where they were beat down and, and felt so much like they were worthless because of the relationship that they were in. But this was the best time of my life. No, it wasn't. So we have to be careful when we begin to look at slavery as if it were freedom and freedom as if it were slavery. You have to take a good look around. See where you are. You're not in Egypt anymore. And a great testimony is still, I'm still here. I can look, I'm still here is still a testimony. Because I can look around and see that I'm, I'm not in Egypt. And it may feel like I'm in the wilderness right now, but I'm not a slave anymore. And, and if I remember correctly, the wilderness is just somewhere that God is leading me to and through. That this isn't the destination. And so I'm still here is still a testimony. God is still working some things out along the way to get you to where he wants you to go. I'm still here is still a testimony. And so if you look around and you realize, oh, I'm free, then why are those bars from Egypt still with you? Verse, chapter, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for the day. I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they'll gather food. And when the Israel, oh, I'm sorry, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. I have heard Israel's complaints. This is God in verse 12, God speaking to Moses. I've heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening, you will have meat to eat. And in the morning, you will have all the bread you will want. Then you will know that I am your Lord. I am your God. They grumbled. And God gave grace. It doesn't mean that, that there's not discipline that comes. We, we see that. We've experienced that in our own lives. When we receive discipline, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. When we discipline our kids, that doesn't mean that we don't love them. No, we love them enough to discipline them. But in this moment, when they are grumbling and complaining, God gives grace. Did you notice we jumped from verse 3 to 4, and it went straight from complaining to God responding. God didn't even wait for Moses to make his cry to the Lord and, and talk about all of the things that the people were saying. No, he jumped right in the middle of it almost immediately. And he provided not just what they complained about, but he provided them a new way of life. A way to let go of their bars, to stop carrying them around, and to stop seeing life through these bars from Egypt. Because, man, they forgot so quickly who God really was. And we do the same thing. I can't get down on them when, when we do the same thing. They, they forgot that the deliverer could still handle the difficulties that they faced. In fact, he led them to the difficulty so that he could prove that he could handle it. So that he could walk with them through it to get them to put down their bars the second thing that God is, God is telling in, in this passage right here, he's saying, look, not only do you need to take a good look around, but you need to trust him. You need 
to trust him. And this is, this is the hard part. Because trusting more times than not involves waiting. And when you're waiting in the wilderness, it feels like a punishment. But wait, even while you're in the wilderness, be patient as God prepares what's next. Don't forget, you were in bondage. And God didn't just free you. He, he didn't just do all he did so that you could walk out of bondage. He did what he did so that you could live in freedom. And he's got to work in you for that to happen. You see, getting them out of Egypt wasn't the problem. Getting Egypt out of them was the problem. See, God delivering us from stuff is not normally the problem. It's getting that stuff out of us that is the struggle. Because we run back to it when, when we face hard times. I don't know how to cope. I'm going to go back to how I cope before. Oh, God, you didn't free me in three minutes. I'm going to go back over here. We run back and forth. We forget that God is, is preparing us for a life beyond bondage, beyond the wilderness. He's preparing us to live in the promised land. And he knows that all this stuff is new. This is a new way of life, a new thing that is happening your way. And he's just asking for you to trust him. And here's what he does. He, he gives them something. He wanted them to begin to trust him each day for something fresh from him. He says, you know what? I'm going to give you manna. Every morning you're going to go get it. This was to provide them a new rhythm of life. And this new rhythm was to keep them from being lazy and from going hungry. What do you mean, Pastor Kevin? Well, Read your Bibles. It says this, that in the morning, they had a time frame where they could go and get the manna. They had to come before the sun got too hot because it melted away. That means if you slept in, you didn't eat. If you slept in, you didn't, if you stayed up too late the night before and you thought, you know what, in the afternoon, I'll go. No, 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 you didn't eat. God was trying to get them to trust him for something new and fresh every morning. You would come and get what you needed for that day. And then guess what? Tomorrow I get to go again and get something new and fresh from God. And you and I need the same experiences. You can't and we can't be spoon fed by someone else's faith. I have to go out every day and scoop up what God has for me. I can't just live off what Mel gets from God every day or what Bud gets from God every day or what Brick gets from God every day. I have to go and experience what God has for me every day because God doesn't want me to be lazy or grow hungry. So he's provided something for me every day. But I have to go get it each day. I can look for new mercies. I can look for a new outpouring of his spirit. I can look for new anointing. I can look for new strength. I can look for a new song, a new encouragement. But we have to be willing to go and get it each day. He's providing it. You just have to go get it. And in the trusting part of this, he also wants them to see that his supply is unending. See, some of us have problems. When things are on sale, we like to buy a lot of it just in case they run out. I personally, Granny is going to watch this in a few days from now. My, my Granny who lives in St. Louis, and I love Granny. But we would buy stuff for Granny at the store, and when she had 10 of them downstairs, that was too, that was too few. We need to go buy 10 more of whatever it was that she had, because what if they stopped selling it? And we would have these conversations, Granny, they're, they're going to sell it for the rest of your life. 
Like they've been selling it since 1904. They're going to continue to sell these things, but you don't know. And, and, and so what God is doing here is he's trying to get them to trust that the supply that he is giving to them is unending. You don't need to hoard what he's giving you today and try to carry it into tomorrow. He's going to have more for you tomorrow. And he has enough. He has enough favor and anointing and destiny and purposes and plans to give you some and you some and then you and then give me some. And he's got some for you and for you and for you. And when he's giving it out, it's not like he's down at the bottom scraping the barrel and he's giving you the crusty stuff and he's making sure it's just kind of enough. No, no, no. His barrel is always full. He's never scraping the bottom of anything to give it to you because his supply is unending. It is fresh and it is just for you each and every day. And the great thing about this, this was a miracle that's happening in front of them, but this provision wasn't just phenomenal, it became personal. Go back and, and read portions of the text. God gave something for every person to have what they needed every day. You see, they had experienced deliverance as a nation, but God was now providing provision to the individual. He wanted each of them to know I know exactly what you need. And if you'll trust me, if you'll come and look every morning, I got what you need. And it's different than what you need. And I got what you need also. And I know you well enough to know exactly what that amount is and to provide it for you each and every day. See, they would be able to learn that he wasn't just the big God over their nation, that he was the Lord, their God. That's what verse 12 says. This now became personal. He wanted them to show that he was paying attention to them. That as he was providing this manna, it was not just to give them sustenance right there. It was to help them to trust God's words. Jesus repeated something that was spoken about manna when he was tested in the wilderness. It's, it's told to us again in Deuteronomy 8. It said that manna was given not so that man would live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You see, manna wasn't just given to fill their stomachs. It was given so that God would fill their lives. So that as they would eat this manna each and every day, it would trigger this thought, this memory that I can trust what God says. That what he says he will do, he will do. If he made a promise, he's going to fulfill that promise. If it takes a day, a month, a year. But whatever he said, because I'm eating this manna, I'm fulfilled today. This helps me to trust in God's word for tomorrow. For what he said about next week. For the call that he's got on your life. For the plans that he has for you. The plans that he's already laid out in front of you. All of those things can happen. Manna was made so that we could trust in his words. And as it helps us to, to trust him and it builds this, this trust between me and him and the faith that I have in him, it helps in those moments where we're frustrated, where we feel alone, where we're afraid, where we feel like we're not getting our just due. And we begin to contemplate taking matters into our own hands. It, it helps us to remember the other times that God has provided, that when I, when I was needing something, God actually responded. His behavior to me was one of grace. He provided more than what I needed. In fact, he provided areas that I didn't even know that I needed at the same time as giving me this. And, and it can trigger these thoughts once again. I don't, I don't have to stress. I don't have to struggle as much. I can just trust 
that I can leave my bars right there and I can walk in his instructions and do what he's asking me to do because he's proven that he's trustworthy because I have this manna. I've seen what he can do. Here's the last part. Verse 23. God, Moses told him, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake, and bake or boil as much as you want today. Set aside what's left for tomorrow. Then they, sorry, verse 29, they must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That's why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. And on the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Did not go out and pick food on the seventh day. We need to take a good look around. We need to trust him. The last thing is we need to try his rest. Do you see what God is doing in these scriptures? Are, are, are you seeing the pattern, the, the thread that, that he's weaving together? Again, he's giving them something they've never had. They were eating manna because manna means what is it? They had no idea what it was. They just knew when I put it together and I bake it, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. This is sweet like honey. Oh, my gosh, this is so great. He's giving them once again something they have never had before. They didn't know what rest was they didn't know what a break was. They had spent their entire lives as slaves. They've never been invited to slow down. They've never been commanded to take a day off. They had only been commanded to work harder, to produce more with less, to give all that they had, and then guess what? Get up and give some more. They had only understood work to benefit someone else that they were going to work and, and build this kingdom in Egypt, maybe build the pyramids, do whatever it was that Pharaoh wanted them to do. Their work benefited him. And now God was inviting them to rest and let him work for their benefit. They could rest because they could trust that he was going to work for them. And this was a concept that was foreign they had no idea what, what this meant and how this could be lived out. But if we're honest, they're not the only ones that struggle with this. Can you do me a favor? Can, can you just take a deep breath? Just For some of you, you haven't taken a breath like that in a while. You've been gasping for air been gasping for a break. So to take a moment and just breathe deeply, like I could slow down, seems so foreign, let alone like take an hour to, to rest or, or, or a day to recharge. That, that seems so foreign to us. I can't rest. Rest is being lazy. It's, it's doing nothing. God can't honor that. But that's not what he was doing here. He was showing them that rest isn't you just laying down and doing absolutely nothing. That rest was about spending time filling your tank with who he is. So what does that for you? What makes you think about the goodness of God? What activities are there? What, what people can you be around that you just smile and you know that God has been good to you? 
What are the things that you do that while you're doing them, you just feel like God is blessing you in that moment? For some of us, it's a vacation on the beach. For others of us, it's sitting on our front porch, just enjoying the breeze, our favorite drink. We could take a walk, sit by the water, we spend time with our family, we play with our grandkids, whatever is enjoyable and makes you think about God blessing you. Those are the things that you need to be doing while you're resting to refill your tank with who God is. Resting allows us to take the focus off of us and all that we have to do and put our focus back on God and the things that he can do. You see, God's rest reflects God's love. And we can take a break knowing that in those moments, God will give us a double portion. See, that, that doesn't compute for most of us. Because how, how do you get a double portion of, of anything? Why well, I work for that. I, I, I work harder. Most of us hear double portion, and we want all of that, but we feel like it's up to me to get that, to earn that. Here's the thing. If I rest, God has provided abundance on the sixth day. Abundance on the sixth day, but some of us are waking up on the day that he said, hey, you need to rest, and we're running out in a season of abundance, and we're experiencing scarcity because we're not being obedient to what he's asked us to do. So while everyone else that's resting in God, that trusted him for that double portion, that knew that he would work for them, that he would provide for them, that we're trying to do all of that, and guess what? We're experiencing spoiled food. Everyone else it seems, gets abundance and we're experiencing nothing because we're trying to work for what God has said, I'll work for it for you. Just rest in me. Just trust in me that I got this covered. You can sit down for a moment because I got this. I brought you this far. I'm working some things out. You need to, to get this new pattern of, of life inside you. The bars told you that you could never rest. The things that you were chained to told you you always had to be doing something. But I'm here to tell you, you can sit down for a moment and what you've been working for, what you've been stressing for, what you've been sacrificing everything for, I'll give you double of that if you will just chill out. But you look at me and it's like, yes, I want that, but then you don't change your pattern because you can't, because work is so stressful. It's so demanding. Pastor, I'm so important. Things don't happen if they can't get a hold of me, if they can't do these things without me. The world still revolves whether you try to push it forward or not. If the last year and a half has taught any of us anything is that the whole world, your job, mine included, everything around us can stop and the world still turns. Imagine that. Pastor, I, I, I'm needed. Okay. I, I, I understand the, the need in that. But we have to look at reality. See, the world is still turning. And we can't keep sacrificing what God wants to give you and rest for a job that will replace you when you collapse. We're sacrificing family. We're sacrificing relationship with God. We're sacrificing what he wants to give us for a place that's replacing us the moment we fall over. See, if you don't stop and quit, there will come a day where you will be forced 
to quit. And some of us are living at the edge of that right now. You're wondering how much longer you can keep this pace up. Work is demanding. Family is demanding. All of life seems to be pulling you in in different ways. And God may just simply be asking you to try his rest. To carve some time out for him. Rest is not going to happen on accident. Notice that he gave them instructions for how it was going to work ahead of time. That means you need to take some time on your calendar and mark it off and prepare for it so that you can actually have it. You might need to shut your phone off and leave it in another room. You may need to go outside of your Whatever it may need to do, you need to prepare for it ahead of time. That's what God was showing them. Hey, on the sixth day, know that you're going to go out. You're going to get double what you would normally get because I'm going to give that to you for tomorrow. He was preparing them for rest. He didn't just say, hey, wake up tomorrow and don't do anything. No, no, no. Prepare for it. Set aside some time. Carve it out. See, this story is such a great chapter. As we end this series, and are you still, are those bars still with you? God didn't just meet their their physical need. This all started because they were hungry. And God didn't just give them what they asked for. He He gave them what they needed. They didn't just need a physical need met. God met their spiritual need as well. Because God loves us too much to not give us exactly what he knows that we need. They needed to figure out how to let these bars go. They needed to figure out how to get Egypt out of them. And so God was begging them, if you would just take a look around and see that you are not in Egypt anymore. We're on our way somewhere and it may not be perfect now and it may never be perfect until we're in eternity, but you can trust me. I'm gonna provide, I'm gonna do things for you. And as I do that, you should be able to trust my word and know that I'm gonna never leave you, not when you're hurting, not when you're sick, not when you're struggling, not when you wanna walk away. He's always going to be there. You can trust his word. He will always come through for you. And as he does that, you can try his rest. You've tried being stressed out. You've tried doing all of the things all on your own. Why not try and trust him a little bit more for what he wants to give you? So are those bars still with you? They don't have to be. You can let them go this morning. You can allow the bread of life who came down from heaven to unshackle those chains You can hand him those bars. If you feel tired and weary and burdened, he said, hey, I'll take all of that. Come here, I'll give you rest. I can handle all of that. He wants to exchange all that you've been dragging around for what he has for you. He wants to change your season. He wants to bring you from bondage into freedom. He wants you to leave the bars and never pick them up again. Will you close your eyes this morning? I first want to speak to those of you who may not know Jesus. You may be wondering, I, I, don't, I don't get all this stuff. Like, what do you mean rest? What do you mean trust him? What do you mean? I, I haven't done any of that. Maybe you used to, but today you're like, man, I'm, I'm far from God. I've walked away from him. I'm, I, we don't have relationship. This morning, if, if you want 
to give your life to Jesus, if you say, Pastor Kevin, I, I need a season change. I need to walk out of the, the junk that I've been carrying around and that I've been trapped in sin. I need to give that to Jesus. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. We want to pray with you to believe that God has a new season of life for you. Is there anyone in the room that say, Pastor Kevin, man, I need Jesus today. I need a new relationship. I need a fresh start with him today. It's great. Would you stand with me? Because now comes the, the even tougher part. Because I believe this morning that in response to, are those bars still with you? That God wants you to do something to actually walk away from them. And so during the response time today, if you've been carrying around bars, if they've still been with you, if, if the minute that that came out of my mouth, God brought something to your attention, then today I'm going to invite you to step into the aisle or come down to the altar, but step away from those bars. Leave them at your seat and walk away from them to a life of freedom. And whether that's because you've been treating freedom like slavery, and you've been complaining to God about how things aren't how they should be, and you forgot all of the things that he's done to get you this far, you're like, man, I need to take a good look around. God, I don't, I don't want these bars anymore, and you need to step out because of that, or, or maybe you just need to trust him more. You need to trust him for provision. You need to trust in his word that he's going to do exactly what he said, that he was going to do when he said he was going to do it. Maybe you just need to experience rest. You've been weary. You've been looking at life through these bars. You've got to work. You can't stop. If I don't do this, then no one will. And it's all on you, but it's not all on you. So it's going to take a little bit of courage. But if you want to walk away from those bars, if you want to be free, if you want to be unshackled today, I believe this, that as you move physically, God will move spiritually in your life. So as the worship team sings, it's now up to you to respond. Will you walk away from the bars that have been holding you? Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.